Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Uh, I read a book, or sorry, I read a quote this week, which I thought was uh, a brilliant quote by a man called Jim Rowan, and he was talking with regards to reading books. How many of you read books regularly? Okay, that's good. Maybe I shouldn't give you this quote then. Well, for those of you who don't, for those of you who don't, this is what he said. It isn't what the book costs, it's what it will cost you if you don't read it. And with some books, that's so true. With the Bible, that is emphatically true. It will cost you if you don't read it. It's not what the book costs, it's what it costs you if you don't read it. Okay, so let's read from the Bible, and we'll read Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, which hopefully, yes, there it is. It said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And then from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15, pray then in this way, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And he says, pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, debts even, as we have forgiven our debtors, letting go of both the wrong and the resentment. And then verse 13 And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive, this is Jesus speaking, others their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, nurturing your heart and anger with the result that it interferes with your relationship with God, then your Father will not forgive your trespasses as are the merciful. Your trespasses, let me read, <laughs> there's something wrong there. 15, uh, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. Hmm, I don't know. Yeah. And then it goes on to fasting after that. Okay. God's going to bless the reading of his word. Over the last few weeks, if you've missed them, I'll go through it in a second. I've been trying to target particular areas in our lives that I feel as a church and as individuals that we can see growth in. Growth as individuals, growth as families, growth as in the Freedom Center. Because it's important that when you're saved, when you're born again, when you're redeemed, it's also important that you go from being born again to actually growing in your faith. And babies that don't grow, I've always said, are a major concern to the medical fraternity. And some of us, there is years that we don't grow as Christians. And we sort of just level out. So we've looked in the last few weeks, and we will look maybe in the next one or two weeks, at a number of subjects that will help us to grow, that we can grow in. So if you may remember on the 1st of May... I spoke on Let It Flow. This morning is called Let, 
let it go. First of all, go, let it flow. Okay, let it flow. And I was talking about money. Money being responsible. And be sorry, being responsible for your money, being a good steward of what the resources that God has placed in your hands. Being givers and not just takers. I've always said at the beginning of each month or the end of each month, God gives you a package of money into your hands and he says, I want you to be accountable for that money. However it comes into your family, whether it's DSS, whether it's through the government of DSS, through it's your company, pensions, whatever it is, God says, I'm giving you those resources, now I want you to be accountable for them. In fact, the Bible teaches he puts in a bit extra to see if you'll give him that back. <laughs> isn't that important? Isn't that exciting? He gives extra so to see if you will give that back. We call it tithing. Then that was the first of eight, first of May. Eighth of May, I talked about a strange drink being decaffeinated coffee. That's nothing to do with that you all have to go into decaffeinated coffee. But it's time to work what God's put in you. That we would not die full, that we would die empty. One day, as we were reminded uh, with Ray, one day we will all go to the graveyard. After somebody said to me the other day there, you should be voting for the way I want to vote because this is your generation. They were laughing when they said it. They said to me, uh, you should be voting the way I want because I'm younger than you and so it's me who's got to live with it. I said, hang on a minute. How do you know when you're going to die? <laughs> what nonsense! <laughs> it was one of my family, that's why I can say it's nonsense. And, and, and uh, no one knows the day. God knows the day. Pointed unto man what to be born, the day to be born, and the day to die. 8th of May, we looked at that. 15th of May, we looked at actually doing something significant in and through our lives to leave our mark in life. And I'm glad so many of you read books because so often we can just be watching TV and uh, reading books, doing things, working. I was at the, I mean, doing a lot of the drop-in just recently. We ought to, as a church, be so excited and I hesitate to use the word proud, <laughs> another word for proud, whatever it is, of what we do in the city. I know there's only one or two of us go. We ought to be so amazed, you should be amazed at what we do as a church and as Love Preston Charity. Because last week, I was saying to Jill and Peter, I reckon, I didn't count them, but I reckon nearly 100 people being fed free by us. Isn't that amazing? In some way I'm happy about that, in some way I'm sad that there's 100 people needing to be fed. Um, I'm happy that we're doing it, and we're the only... There's one other place in the city that does it for free, and Love Preston is the other one. So there's two doing it for free now. It used to be they all gave it free. Now they're charging because of the numbers and, and everything else. Uh, so let's do something that's absolutely... So that if, if something should happen to the church, something should happen to the charity, something should happen to us, that we are missed. Uh, 20, was 15th of May, 22nd of May... Uh, I was told to come and sit at the front, blindfolded, and just to relax, and the next thing I knew I was being <laughs> interviewed. Uh, but it was, I was sharing my journey in some ways of what God's done in my life, 
we're all on a journey and we all should share how God's taken us and, show, and be able to show people how God's moved in our life. 29th of May, last, was that last week? 29th of May? No. No? Was it? Okay. We talked about location, location, location. Well, that was last week, I spoke about, I'm sure it was. No? What did we do last week? Yeah. Okay, location, location, location. <laughs> I've spoken that, I know I've spoken it somewhere. It was here, wasn't it? <laughs> I've talked about a rock and a sandy place. Uh, where are you putting your foundations? So that when the storms come, yeah. the storms come, and storms will come, are you going to stand or are you going to crumble? If you crumble, you've been building on sand. If you stand solid, you're on a good foundation, the rock. Jesus says, I am the rock. Uh, this morning, I want to talk about something that is not often talked about in church. And I'm going to talk about offense. Uh, I've called it Let It Go. It's there. I wonder if you've ever been offended by someone. <laughs> Uh, deeply offended to the point that you know you will never forgive that person and I'm glad some of you are saying yes because you have every single one of us to a lesser or a greater degree I was actually for a small amount of time you could think it through and you could feel your blood pressure rising as you begin to think of the offence of what they did and what they didn't do, and how they didn't come through for you, and how they weren't there for you, what they, what they, what, how it changed your life, what they did, all those sort of things. Maybe it was 20 years ago, but you're still resenting, and you're still offended by what she said, and what he did. Maybe they meant to do it, maybe they didn't mean to do it. Maybe it was conscious, maybe it was subconscious, but you were hurt and you were offended by words, by actions. Sometimes you were looking for the offence, sometimes you weren't looking for the offence, but offence came and it landed on, on you. And for some of us, I believe, it's still there. And it's stopping you growing. Maybe you don't like the word offended. If I said that you were resentful, or you were deeply annoyed, or you were insulted, you've been offended, you're upset, you're aggrieved, you're hurt, you're distressed, you're cross, you're irritated when somebody mentions their name, <laughs> or that situation, and you can feel it rising up. And it's rising up because it's never been put away. And it affects our Christian walk. And it affects our Christian growth. I wonder if you've ever offended someone else. You have. <laughs> Let me tell you, you have. <laughs> you might not have meant to. You might, you might not have been given as offence. But we have. Sometimes just you being you offends people. I hate to break the news to you. <laughs> I can think of people in this city who are offended by me because I'm a pastor. Uh, 
People in the city who walk straight past me, and I'll say hello, and just say, go When I smile at them, when I speak at them, they just don't want to know. And when I, one particular person, when I looked into it, it's because they hate Christians. And so I represent Christians. Certainly I represent Christ, we all do. And they hate Christians and what Christians represent. So I offend them by being me. There's other people who are offended by what God has done for you. You've got too much money. You get, your family's too nice. Your job's too good. You seem to make it out of everything and get out of everything. Whatever, you always look relaxed. Whatever it is, they're offended by that because you don't know real life. You don't know what it is to, to, to struggle. You don't know, and, and people take offense when they know nothing about you. You see it on the internet. Preachers, teachers, ministers, everyone's having a go. Because they are offended by that person. Sometimes we mean to offend other people because we're hurt, we're fearful, we're struggling. Hurting people hurt people. Fearful people fear often people. Struggling people often struggle with people. Whatever the reason is, and sometimes we set out to offend, and often that's because inside of us we have like a spirit of anger inside of us. Susan was talking about angry about something, and that anger rises up, and uh, we find ourselves resenting whoever it is. We resent that person. At the root of taking offense, I believe it's unforgiveness. That's why I was reading the passages. And we're unforgiving as people who are being offended, or being offended, for a number of reasons. One reason is, we don't feel they have atoned for what they did. We don't feel they have atoned, they haven't said sorry, they haven't come back in uh, sackcloth and ashes to us, and atoned or put right what they did. That's number one. Second one is, we feel their conduct has affected our future. What they did to us when we were young, or what they said to us, or how they treated us, has affected me for all of my life. So I have taken offence at them. That's the second reason that we're unforgiving. Third reason that we're unforgiving is our personal trust has been violated. We trusted them, and they went behind our backs and did whatever they did. Fourth reason, we had to suffer without being able to say anything. We had to suffer and be silent in the situation, and now we are offended. And fifth reason, we use it as a protection to put a wall around the parts of us that have been hurt. No one will ever hurt me again. We've had that been said. No one will ever get to me in that way again. There's a number of times I've spoken to ladies who maybe have been through a traumatic divorce, and I can always tell the way they look at me, you're just a man. I don't like men. You understand? And so now all men are the same. 
because they have been deeply offended. Some people rise above those offences and move on and leave it behind, but many of us don't. What we tend to do in these situations is we take those offences captive. We take them captive and we feed that resentment. We feed that unforgiveness. We almost look after it, protect it, keep it to one side of our life. We nurse it, we brood over it. And what happens spiritually is those offences begin to grow. And we have raised them in our lives like little children. And now that little offence has become a six foot two offence. Fully armed, fully trained to protect you from how you've been offended in the past. And when it gets to that, it has become a stronghold. Stronghold. It's become a stronghold over our lives. And it's gone from us taking the offence captive and nurturing it and keeping it as ours. And this is where I'm very tender, so you don't touch that or you'll know about it. You understand? We've gone from it taking from us taking it captive, then one day it takes us captive. You see that with children with cigarettes, don't you? Uh, I just want to try it. I just want to try it. And they try a few and a few and a few and now addicted. Can't get rid of it. It started off that we had this offence as a captive in our lives, as a prisoner, and we fed it and we watered it. And we considered everything that that offence meant in our lives and how that person should be punished. And then we found one day, now we're the prisoner. And now I can't go out. Now I can't even see them. Now I can't even speak about them. And suddenly we're getting bitter. And suddenly we're broken. Suddenly we are suffering, and it's all because of them, or because of what they did. So I want to look at this morning how we can let it go, whatever it is. Let me just tell you, as we've illustrated this morning, life is too short for you to nurse an offence. It's just too short. Satan uses these situations. It's a spirit. It's demonic. Because it wants, ultimately, to take you over and control you. And anything that controls and takes you over has become demonic to you. Well, let me say, first of all, that a spirit of offense can come into any situation or any relationship. I've seen it in business. I've seen it in marriage. I've seen it in churches. I've seen it in families. Often it comes through pain, pain from one person inflicting pain on another person. It comes through sometimes misunderstanding. Somebody <coughs> doing something, they have no idea that somebody else was taking offence by it. Often it comes from a power struggle. Who is going to be in control? Other times it comes from the past. And it's brought from the past into the present. And people take offence. Our family don't have anything to do with that family. Our church doesn't have anything to do with that church. Whatever it is. So 
So for instance, if someone is offended because you're a Christian, it might not be because you're a Christian, particularly, it's because of what a Christian did to them 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And you represent them, whoever them was. You can see offence, the opportunities to take offence uh, rising up in marriage all the time. It's almost like every day you could be offended by your loved one and an argument. And we have the opportunity before it takes root to get rid of it because once the root's there, that root begins to grow, grow, grow. And it grows down first of all and then it grows up. And you see the manifestation of it once the roots are fully formed. The Bible says for a reason, don't let the sun go down on your anger. If you're angry at night, you'll be more angry and resentful in the morning. Particularly if you're a woman. <laughs> I tell you. I'm based on personal experience. <laughs> Because the guy, the guy just wants his breakfast and like the last night's gone. Uh, you know. I think I take offence. <laughs> so I'm just testing you to take offence. Whereas a woman, a woman is a thinker. A woman, a, a woman broods in things and thinks things through and thinks about the pros and the cons and the ins and the outs. We're too stupid for that. We just... Now I think we can So, So, we take offence, as you're just about to do with me. So, I'll move on. So, the Bible says, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Don't go there. Don't give him or her a chance to, to brood over things. Sometimes, when people have been married a couple of times, the person who's been married the two times has taken offence with the current partner, and actually they're still arguing with the old partner. Understand? Second husband or second wife, and that person says something that reminds them of the previous partner. And because there's still a resentment and a hurt and a pain with the old partner, they resent this that's been done with the new partner. It brings out their past, their wounds, their soreness, where they haven't forgiven. And they've not let it go. And suddenly, you say something, and all hell breaks loose, and you think to yourself, Only I said you wanted a piece of toast. And bang! Do you know what I mean? Do you understand? And it's not, it's like it's like people who are angry with Christians. It's because of what Christians done years ago. It's the same with marriage partners. Or any partner, or business partner. Or even in churches. You resent leadership because a leader years ago did something, said something that you didn't like, and now you're still brooding over that, and now this new leader in this new church has said something, and suddenly you think, alarm bells are ringing, because that's what they did, that's what they said. You take offence. People always tell you when you have taken offence that you need to forgive. That 
can be easier said than done. Forgiveness is a decision made in the present, but it's also something to live out in your future. When we decide to forgive whatever we have taken offence at, we have to give up the right to see the wrong put right. Number one. We have to give that up when we forgive. Number two, we need to give up the right to see our loss restored. I'll tell you a story. Years ago, many years ago, many, many years ago, my mother and father, uh, my mother had a brother and a sister, three in the family. And whether this was right or wrong, my father and mother seemingly borrowed 200, the great sum of £250 from my grandfather. And uh, he uh, lent, loaned it to them. And for whatever reason, they either paid it back or didn't pay it back. There was a debate on whether they had paid it or not paid it. And I don't know whether that's right or wrong. But about 30 years later, my grandfather died, and it came to the reading of the will. Guess who got £250 less than their siblings? He had taken it to his grave. He had never, if he was right, he had never forgiven. So he was saying, when I die, I'm going to get my £250. That's being offended and not letting it go. <laughs> we want that person, we want our loss to be restored, we want the person who, is, who we've taken offence with to be punished. We want them to hurt how we've been hurt. Unless we give up the right to see those things happen, we will always live with offence. And that offence will grow and grow and grow until eventually it dominates your temperament and your character. To ask someone to forgive and to, for them to give up the right to see the person punished and for the wrong to be put right and for you to be con compensated is a big, big ask. You might think, no, actually, I can do that. Well, maybe you haven't been offended as much as someone else. Deeper hurt. To ask a mother whose daughter has been raped or murdered right before her very eyes to say, forgive, is a big ask. To ask a father who's lost his job because somebody's lied about him, cheated on him, is a big ask. Whatever the offence is, big or small, we have to decide that we are going to take back control. Because what's happened in that situation is that person... That situation, that offence, has taken control of our lives. And we're not growing. And we nurse it. And we're still not growing. And we nurse it because we want to feel comforted. And I understand that. Because it reassures that, yes, they were wrong. It reassures us that we have a right. That right's on our side. But it never leaves us. And ultimately... It drags us down. Offence is not a friend. Offence is your enemy. Until we get set free from it, we are under a bondage. It affects our health. 
We run to the doctor, we take some tablets, and it cripples us, and it cripples our future. And we can't grow, we can't grow as a person, as a couple, as a Christian, as a family, as a church even. I know churches that have been offended, and God doesn't seem to do anything there. And we think we are hurting the other person when we are offended. And meanwhile, that other person is just going on with life. And you're sitting at home, deeply offended, hurt, isolated, going around with a scowl when the name is mentioned, we're angry, we're struggling to enjoy our life, it inhibits us and what we do. Meanwhile, footless and fancy free is walking about. Who's suffering? We think we're making them suffer, but we are not. So what should we do? Some people say, forgive and forget. And those people are usually people who have never been offended to a very deep level. So if somebody glibly says, just forgive and forget it. And you feel like slapping them. <laughs> Nicely, in love, gracefully. <laughs> because it's easy to say forgive and forget. I don't say forgive and forget. I say forgive and give it away. Let it go. How do we give it away? The Bible says that Jesus dealt with our offences on the cross. What that means is he took our wrongdoing to him on the cross and he paid for them. Romans 4 verse 25, who was betrayed and put to death because of our offences and was raised to secure our justification and absolving us from all guilt before God. You know, Isaiah 53 says he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, our offences were dealt with on the cross. And as he takes our offences, not so much for us offending anyone else or them offending us, but our offence to him personally and to God, we believe, don't we, he has forgiven us. That means, and he tells us, our offences he remembers no more. How can you remember our offences no more? Because he's let it go. He has the supernatural ability to forget your wrongdoing and my wrongdoing. How, no matter how deeply offensive it was to him. And that's why I tell you to give your offence away. Give it to him. Because he ha you have not the ability to forget it. He has the ability to forget it. He can forgive and forget. And he's done that with my offences and your offences. Now he's asking me, he's asking you to do what he's done. Oh, not so easy, is it? He asks us to forgive and release the offence to him. That's not weakness. It's meekness. Definition of meekness Enduring injury with patience and without resentment. Definition of weakness, frail, weak, delicate, feeble. Never mistake meekness 
for weakness. Somebody once said to me, never mistake meekness for weakness, for meekness, for meekness, for weakness. Christ was meek, but he was never, ever weak. He says, forgive others as I have forgiven you. In fact, he says, when we read it, unless you forgive others, I ain't going to forgive you. How hypocritical when you think about it. Of us asking him to forgive me my offence to him. And I'm not willing to forgive someone else who's offended me. That's a pinch of face on Sunday morning, isn't it? How hypocritical is it of me to say, yes, God, give me all, give me all your forgiveness. Yes, I'll give you all my offences. You give me your forgiveness. But they're going to pay. And my lack of forgiveness, my lack of mercy, my take on offence is deeply, spiritually affecting me and my life. It's affecting my relationship with God. He wants to give mercy. He wants to give forgiveness to us. And we're saying, I'll take, but I'll not give. And when we've been offended, we feel somebody has taken from us money, dignity, our past, our future, our childhood, our marriage, our health, whatever it is, we feel robbed and we feel angry. It may sound ridiculous for me to say, take control. But we can decide that we are going to take control of our lives. And that person and that situation ain't going to have a stronghold, stronghold in me anymore. We need to take the lead. We need to be first. We need to let it go. God says to husbands, if you want your prayers answered, treat your wives with consideration as the weaker partner. Show them honour as fellow heirs of the grace of life. In this way, nothing will hinder your prayers. Wow. That's a thing for men, not for husbands. Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. But often we find forgiveness hard. Sometimes hard to receive, often hard to give. And often that's hard because we are struggling ourselves to receive forgiveness from God. People have counseled over the years who have struggled to realize and recognize God has forgiven them. Very often it's because, and, it, and, it's, and it's indicative that they're not forgiving someone else. So they can't receive God's love, so they don't show love to anyone else. They don't trust God, so they don't trust anyone else. Forgiveness is never manifested in their life, in their heart, in the deep, deep part of their life, so they struggle showing forgiveness to anyone else. And it's only a question of just receiving. That's what makes a Christian walk of faith so hard. 
Because it's like, like a child. And often we want to do something hard. Like Naaman, <laughs> the leper. Just go and swim in the river Jordan seven times. Well, that dirty river. That pathetic river. Rivers in my city that, I can, that are far better than that. You understand? We want to do something. Something that we want. Climb a mountain, a 40-day fast, and then you'll feel forgiven. Go to every prayer meeting that you can find, then you'll be forgiven. Beat yourself up emotionally, physically, spiritually, then you'll be forgiven. No, no. God just says, just receive. Receive my love. Let it go. Proverbs 19, verse 11. Good sense makes a man restrain his anger, and it is his glory to overlook a transgression or an offence. Good sense. When you show good sense, and you overlook the hurt, the past, the pain, and you overlook it and you let it go, God says, that's good sense. And it's your, it is his glory to overlook a transgression or an offence. What happens if the offender's gone? We feel offended by God himself. He didn't answer. He didn't come through. He didn't do what we felt he should. He said he would do. He didn't help us. He wasn't there for us in our opinion. I'm glad you've asked, because that's what we're going to look at next time. What happens when we're offended by God? Meanwhile, this morning, I know that's spoken into some people's lives, what I've just said this morning. And maybe it's brought up some hurt and some pain that you, maybe you've forgotten is there, or maybe that you've been well aware of for years and dec decades. I want to pray this morning. I want to decree some stuff over us. And if you need to see Susan or myself, then please feel free to do that. Let's just stand. Last of us, good. Come back. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray five things. The first thing I want you to repeat after me, and we'll take it slowly so that you can think and thoughtfully say the words that I'm asking you to say. We renounce every offence taken or committed. We renounce every offence taken or committed, which is designed to keep us out of our purpose which is designed to keep us out of our purpose, destiny and assignment in the name of Jesus. I'll just read it through without you repeating. Renounce every offence taken or committed, Lord, which is being designed to keep us out of our purpose, our destiny and our assignment in the name of Jesus. We renounce it right now. And you don't need to repeat any of the rest. We abort and cancel all expectations of the enemy concerning us and our families in the name of Jesus. And we declare that only the will of God shall be manifest in our lives. We uproot and pull out every arrow of offence designed to afflict us. And by the fire of God we flush out every poison they have infused into our bodies, our spirits and our soul. We flush it out in the name of Jesus right now. 
by the Spirit of the Lord, we declare divine acceleration and manifestation to every promise of the Lord concerning us, concerning our family, and concerning our ministry. We declare that in this summer of 2016, the Lord will make room for us, He will make way for us, and He will make what is impossible with us possible with Him. And all God's people said, Amen. Father, we thank you for this morning. I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we have brought some things to the surface in our lives, that we will decide that we will let it go. We will let it go. We will decide. And this morning in June 2016, we will let it go. Whatever it is. And we ask it in Jesus' love name. And precious name. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.